Hello and welcome to Business Talk with Chris Hazel. Today I'm joined by Matthew Chapman from Vocal Group. Vocal Group was set up in 2008 and they're an outbound lead generation and telemarketing company who help businesses get more out of their existing customer base as well as generating new customers. So welcome, Matthew. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, more than welcome. Um, so, yeah, first of all, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you started the business or where you came from um, and what gave you the idea for it and go from there. Okay, great. Well, I think in essence, um, I was trying to use telemarketing myself to um, generate business um, and not very successfully uh, initially. But on the fourth provider, I did find, I found fairly massive success because I, I knew it would work. It just, I needed to find the right partner to uh, to join me. And I said along that process, which was about two years of almost failure with telemarketing, I was saying to myself, if I get an opportunity to set a telemarketing business up myself, I will do because I've learned a lot along those two years that uh, may benefit other businesses. Um but if I, so that's sort of in a nutshell, but if I re rewind all the way really to why I'm where I am as a now 50 year old or in my 51st year, um, I suppose, you know, the origin of vocal group started off when I asked my father for a raise. Now at the time I was a young kid and I was earning 50p a week. And, uh, you know, went, you went to the local shop and spent that on sweets generally. And then I asked him a raise because every so often he would give us a raise of sort of 10, 15 pence. Anyway, we had reached this ceiling that didn't seem to be raised. And um, he, he said to me, well, um, I'm not raising it, but I'll show you how to earn more money. So that really just led to multiple paper rounds in the morning, even in weekend. You know, as a kid, I was a freelance paper boy. I didn't just have one paper round. You know, I had I had lots of paper rounds, and I had several different shops I serviced as a paper boy. So I was a true freelancer, really. Um, and the feeling at that age of what was I, twelve, thirteen, um, the feeling of earning your own money um, to a certain extent, you know, gave me a lot of freedom, really, um, to do what I wanted to do, um, and. I suppose the sweets moved into clothes because as a kid, really, you got no nothing to spend your money on. You live with your parents; they they support you. You don't really need any money, but um, you know, so you got clothes. Um, so that you know, that feeling of being a bit of a mini young entrepreneur, um, servicing a bunch of paper shops, always stayed with me. And then you know, I was lucky enough at about the age of twenty three. To go up to Slough and I had an interview with O2. It was BT in those days, but these days it's branded as O2. And they said um, they had a job in Wolverhampton uh, through gritted teeth. And was I interested in going to Wolverhampton? And uh, as a 23-year-old, I'd never been to Wolverhampton, but I thought that sounds brilliant. It's so far away from Swansea. Um, that sounds absolutely fantastic. So, so I went up there and I, I, you know, I had a great career with O2. And then. You know, fast forward to the age of 30, so seven or so years. And I just had that this nagging thing. I had a great career in O2, and it was a fantastic environment and brilliant people. And, you know, you couldn't wish for, for more. But the 
the independence factor and the entrepreneurial factor. There were certainly, you know, strong intrapreneurs within the business, but the total freedom wasn't there. You did get a lot of freedom, but the total freedom wasn't there to to make a loss or make a win. Generally, you were winning. You had a massive brand supporting you, and you know, it was fairly fairly straightforward. So at the age of 30, I decided this nagging thing about becoming a bit more independent and going back to the freelance days of paper rounds came up. And I thought, right, so I quit O2 and I bought um, a franchise called West End Training Franchise. This was a sole trader franchise. Um, and it did customer care, um, sales development, and um, management training. It had absolutely no customers whatsoever. Um, so I had what, to made you, um, what made you go down the, the franchise route rather than setting up your own thing? Was that a bit of a sort of security net or um, but if they had no customers, what were they what were they offering? That's a good point. They were offering a green guy like me leaving the corporate world um, the ability to spend uh, twenty five thousand pounds on a starter franchise. Um, I suppose there was, well, what they were offering was marketing support, um, a mentor support, um, which was very useful, you know, to set up a business when you're setting up a brand new business and going from a corporate world, um, you know, exactly how the court, well, you know, roughly how the corporate world works, but, you know, go into a sole tradership is a substantial change. And so the support of a franchise, I felt was a good stepping stone rather than going to get your own limited company. Um, so that was, that was brilliant, you know, and for probably two or three years, that was really supportive. And then you sort of almost outgrow the franchise um, because, you know, if you're sort of person like me trying to um, run fast and win the race, you're always looking to improve and develop. Um, so if the franchise isn't, improvement and development at the pace you want it to, um, you end up, you know, going down different routes. Although, you know, West End Training had a great relationship with the franchisor, Clive Shearer, and I became, you know, the top performing franchise that West End Training had. Um, but uh, but still, I, I was looking for more. And, and a chap called Greg Beach came to me. Um, he ran a multi-million pound drainage company and he said, um, my salespeople need some appointments generated. My field salespeople need some appointments generated. And I said, yeah, wait, I can I can do that. I'll put a proposal together for you. Anyway, a couple of months later, we had three people in his office generating new business appointments for his field salespeople. A lot of people, you know, they got their field salespeople and they say, um, they've got to make their own appointments. And certainly some of them can, but a lot of them, you know, you're either face to face or you're telephone to telephone, more verbal. And it is a very different skill. And, you know, the sort of service we provide is from a, a very cold front. Um, and our job is to warm it up and filter those targeted businesses that our clients are looking to do business with. Um so, so he was yeah. your first, your first proper client as as vocal group, or was that? Uh... That's right. Well, we started it under West End Training, um, 
because there was, we needed to know that it worked. And then that was 2008. And then 2009, we incorporated and set up a new company called Vocal Group. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been going from, from there, really, um, from success to success. And now we're based in the Ulster Industrial Estates with a 15-seater outbound call center, which is, you know, small enough to care. Um, each of our customers, you know, we, we may have two handfuls of customers um, that we service on a monthly basis from blue chip clients through to, you know, much smaller one-man band setup businesses, which, you know, the fees range from, you know, £360 a month through to some clients pay 40 k a month, um, depending on, you know, who they are, what they want to do. Cool. So what's, um, what's it look like if someone wants to come to you, they've got... Um... I don't know, what, would you help launch businesses or is it more just campaigns? Um, yeah, what, what sort of client do you usually take on there? Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of different examples. So we had a client, um, uh, Flow Office, actually. Um, they, are, they design really trendy biophilic offices. So if you want a really nice office of 20 plus seats, um, they will design you an amazing office and they'll install it as well. Um, so they came to us and it was one individual, but he was backed by, you know, a board of directors. Um, and he said, what, what can you do? And, uh, I said, well, you know, so this, with every customer, we say, who, who are you targeting? And some customers, you know, some misconceptions, some come back to us and say, oh, you know, everybody needs our service. Well, Generally, it's much better, as uh, as you know, to to target specific organisations or specific sectors, uh, specific locations, specific size. Uh, be very specific about what you want, and you're more likely to get there quicker at a lower budget. Um, so he said to us, you know, um, we've got some data. So he gives us access to a data feed that tells us that clients may be moving. We then call them, we discuss um, the service that can be offered, we send out emails and video footage to warm the client up. And once you warm the client up and we establish, you know, when they're likely to buy our client's products. So, you know, for example, if they're likely to have their office redesigned, uh, when are they likely to do it? Now, often this is a 12-month timescale and sometimes longer because office moves, that's, that's how it works. Um, so our job is to keep in touch and make sure they know our name and or know our client's name because our vocal group name it rarely enters the conversation. It's always our client's name uh, and make sure we're on the tip of their tongue when they make that decision because you can lose it in any way along that process of moving. You know, they just lose your information or some other competitor has sounded, you know, sounded off more regularly to them. And they're able to, you know, access that information quicker, and therefore, you know, you lose it. So our team stay on the phone um, in a in an authentic, intelligent way, not an annoying way where they're calling you up, you know, for no good reason. You've got to have a reason to call. Um, so we have a reason to call back, uh, and we identify times. You know, in our industry, I guess. An old-fashioned acronym is BANT, Budget, Authority, Need, T. 
time. So we filter all that, the team does. They put it into the database and when the right time to connect that client up um, happens, then we do. Um, not 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 too soon, not too late. So that's an example like of a sole trader, and they, you know, they spend. They used to spend about three hundred and fifty pound a month. Uh, they've been with us for five or six years, and now they spend about seven hundred pound a month. So not you know a massive sum, and we drip feed into that business um, some great opportunities for them, which they've you know closed over the years. Um, and so is it quite it's quite measurable then presumably the the results that you're getting um because they're coming through yourself so you can see specifically which leads you've passed them that would turn into business is that yeah that's a really good point you mentioned you know measurability i often find most clients want to measure it too early and i think that's a misconception with our industry um you should all, if you're going to have a telemarketing campaign with a telemarketing company, always run a pilot with a budget that's not going to kill you, but will give you an idea of how that telemarketing company runs and the type of communication, what sort of results they can offer. Um, so always go for a pilot and make sure, make sure all the calls are recorded and everything they do is transparent to you. Um, but, um, I'd say, was that a, like a period of time that you made guy for, or, or, a, or a, um, a number of, uh, leads that you might call, um, yeah. How do you specify what your, what your goals are, um, in that sense? Yeah. So his, his goal was to get ROI, I guess, return on investment, but, um, you know, over, over what period of time? For, for that particular example, you know, if somebody's spending £350, you, you often have to do it for six to 12 months because, you know, stage one is you have to find decision makers. Stage two, you have to warn them up. Stage three, you have to identify um, what, when they're likely to buy, you know, and it's not just one call. It might be eight, it might be 20 calls. So as long as the client is, is aware that this takes time, as long as they can see progress, then, then they're normally... Um, pretty happy um, and you know it proves in the pudding you know flow that stayed with us I think over five years now but then you also have other examples where I won't mention mention their brand but they're a the worldwide brand and they asked us to find um, a specific target market um, and people might be able to guess from this but they said landscape power tools so who spends over a hundred thousand pound on landscape power tools. Um, we had to identify those customers. We identified about two and a half thousand across the UK. There's probably more, but this was within a budget that they had offered. So, um, you know, depending on their budget, depends on the hundreds or thousands that you communicate with. Our job was to communicate with all those, tell them about a roadshow and invite them along to the roadshow. So that was a, a short, sharp uh, three-month job, I think it was, uh, where we were communicating, uh, find, creating the database, communicating about the roadshow, inviting people along, and putting bums on seats. Um, yeah, we're currently doing the Hair Pro Show, which is up in Manchester. Um, and our job there is to, um, it's, it's obvious the target market there, 
because they're, they're, they're hair products that are being supplied into the hair industry, B2B. Um, so we call a database of those, tell them about the Hair Pro Show and invite them along, invite them to take a stand. Um, you know, and the stands are range from a couple of thousand to tens of thousands. Um, but that's, you know, that's a great one to get involved in. Um, it's quite, quite exciting. I didn't know so much about the hair industry until then because mine's, mine's actually going now. So, uh, <laughs> I need a product just to keep it alive. <laughs> You'll be both. Um, so, um, so where do you, where do you get your clients from? You know, you had this client sort of, you were thinking about doing this thing, client came to you with it. Um, how did you grow from there? What, you know, where, where did you launch off? Presumably you're good at generating clients. That's part of what you do. So, um, well, yeah, you're lucky, aren't you? Cause you do telemarketing to do it for yourself. So we obviously do in house. We, we also, you know, network as well. Cause I think that's uh, good for the brand. You've got to get out there and network. Um, we obviously use social media website. So all sorts of, channels to to bring it in but after 15 years i guess you've got a reputation as well so you know i was wondering when the incoming calls start and they started several years ago which was great uh, but it took it took an awful long time for incoming calls to uh to um you know turn into business and now you know i get several calls a week uh about campaigns we don't do all the campaigns the initial the start of it is initial free discussion about do we both think as my business or their business think we can pull together a campaign specifically targeted um, to the right target market and, and can we get some results within the budget that they've got? You know, I think I was speaking to a, a chap uh, last week and um, we were talking about a budget of about 10 hours, so you're roughly £380 and he was looking for 10 appointments in 10 hours and, you know, Maybe people used to sell that years ago, but those 10 appointments would be rubbish. Um, you can't force 10 appointments in 10 hours. You, you've got to build a relationship. You've got to communicate it. You, know, you, you certainly can do it for that budget per month. But, you know, the first month, you know, they set up your, your training, your home and your skills. Um, and it was, but, you know, after several conversations with him he you know and he kept coming back to me um you know i suppose it was a educational process for him um to understand because he did want to do it but he just had had the wrong thought process to start um and i you know you've got to make sure everyone's on board and everyone's got expectations of what you're going to deliver otherwise you're up against an angry customer from day one you know you said you would do this and Right. Yeah, it's, it's that expectation of of a quick win, I suppose. Is it that's the the biggest hurdle once you've got you got someone in there that they, they want to see yeah. results. That's um, it. You you can get quick wins. So quick wins would be things like elapsed customer campaign. You could get elapsed quote campaign. So I remember doing our first ever um, lapsed quotes campaign. And it was for a large German manufacturer. Now, they, they used to spend like three quarters of a day at least on a proposal. So that proposal would go out and then there would be absolutely no follow up um, on that proposal. It was just about that client 
um, bringing you up, bringing the German client up, German manufacturer, and saying, yeah, we'll go ahead with it. Well, I positioned to say, I said, well, if you just get an individual in your business to make a call and say, you know, what's the progress on that proposal that will be sent you on the 3rd of September, then they'll tell you whether you've won, lost, it's gone to a competitor, or it's waiting. So you've got those four main options, really. Um, and then you put that into a CRM and agree a follow-up call when it's appropriate. Um, and that will overnight increase your conversion rate by at least 24, 25, 26%. Even if you do it badly, you know, just pick up the phone and follow up until they tell you, I'm not going with you. you know, so often we've followed up aged quotes, sometimes a couple of years old, um, and they, they tell us, oh, we've gone with a competitor. Why did you go with a competitor? Oh. Um, they were just more vocal. You know, they were just in my face a little bit more than you were. Um, we thought we liked your brand. And sometimes you even think they've gone with you. They even, they're convinced they've actually used you. But no, they went with a competitor. And it was like, no, he's a new that. <laughs> I don't know whether you've any won any business like that, but we, we won it's a decent-sized piece of business um, back uh, about 15 years ago um, with with an organization that, um, you know, they came on the phone and, and they felt like they knew us. And it was like, wow, you know, I just got to catch up on this one because it sounds like a great opportunity. And, you know, never lot of let on that we weren't the original supplier. We got the business. It was like, wow. They thought they were talking to somebody else. I can't, I can't say I have. Um, I don't think that's anything down to me being particularly memorable, but... Uh... <laughs> you will. You will. It does happen after this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess uh, your team's quite quite important um, to, to all of this because they're the ones that are calling and building these relationships to them to them pass on. What 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 does your team look like and um, yeah, how's that changed over the years? I don't want to give any trade secrets away, Chris, or or be um, vilified for uh, you know talking about a segment of people and then biasing. You know, because everybody these days, you know, you've got to give everybody a chance. But, you know, for a small business, you can only give the very best a chance. Because if you give everybody a chance, you won't have a business. Um, so, you know, the types of people we take on board are often, you know, highly educated, um, often female um, and they're often taking a bit of a career break um, from maybe, you know, a very high paid job, but now they want to do the school run. You know, that's a classic segment for us um, because, you know, we get a brain without the cost because our charges are £38 an hour. So and we have to make a profit within that. So we're obviously a proportion work of that goes to the telemarketer and and we do pay over and above um, the average uh, telemarketing salary which is which is good um so we we're lucky enough to identify those types of people who you know are looking for a bit of a career change temporarily you know maybe for five six years while they're doing the school run um and then you know they often go back to um 
the high power jobs, but you know, part part of our attraction is that we don't say, you know, be here for nine o'clock on the dot. Um, we just say, if you're going to do 80 hours a month, then do 80 hours a month. Uh, don't worry about turning up at quarter past nine when you've had the school run, because we don't want you to be stressed when you come into the office. Just go with the flow of the traffic, get in when you can get in, and just make sure you do the client hours. Um, it doesn't have to be, oh, you know, your, your hours are 9.30 to 4.30. Um, you know, some days you've got some childcare, other days you haven't. We can be flexible. We've got a diary system that allows that flexibility for the individuals to to diarize, um, to diarize their own time. The only thing we say is if we charge the client 80 hours, we've got to have given them 80 hours. We can't say, oh, it was a quarter of an hour short because everything we do is time and date stamped for the client um, and visible. Everything's transparent. Um, but it, it can be flexible. You know, if they've got to go off on the, uh, there's a lot of um, school sports days, isn't there, around about this time. Um, in fact, I'm interviewing somebody tomorrow uh, uh, and they're at a school sports day today. Um, I was hoping to meet them today, but uh, school sports day takes priority, which which it absolutely should. You only have that one one time in the year, don't you? Yeah. And um, so they salespeople generally, or are these people that just the right attitude you bring them on, you train them because you also do sales training courses, don't you, as part of your business or another arm of the business? Yeah, I always say if if they can. So often we'd shy away from salespeople because they've got bad habits. But I'm not saying, but we've got some salespeople here that are absolutely virtuosos in, in communicating um, and building rapport. You know, if you've ever had somebody, most of the time, if you or I pick up the phone, we want to put it down if we don't know the person. But, you know, our team, you know, the, the tone, the pace, the verbal communication, the mirroring, the neuro-linguistic programming that we teach, it all adds a substantial value to, because at the end of the day, we're calling people who do want our client because we've done our, do want our client services. We've done our due diligence. We know that they're a target market and they're either buying it from a competitor or will buy from, will need that service or product in the future. So we know we're relevant um, at that particular moment, when we make the first call, they may not think that, but over time, they'll understand, you know, our relevance because we really hone, hone the target market. But uh, yeah, going back to the team, so that's that's a typical segment that we go to. We, we've got no goes as well. We do have men in the team, um, but it's just predominantly female. Um, I, don't, I think that's more because we're more of a part-time team. Um, and the great thing about part-time is you need more space in the office, but um, it's quite a tough job and you need fresh people in. I don't believe, and we don't have anybody doing a 40-hour week um, in telemarketing. I think that's too tough for anybody. Um, not saying you couldn't do it, but... Uh, I don't think you can really perform for 40 hours. You can perform for 20, you can perform for 30. You need some breaks. 
um, about 40 hours because there's a lot, we're in the cold sites. So there's a lot of rejection, um, and the team are, are a crazy team, so they love rejection. But uh, you know, there's only so much you can take. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so, what's um, what's the future got planned for for Vocal Group? You're obviously quite a, an established business, as you mentioned. You're now starting to get that in, inbound. Have you got plans to grow massively, or what's your goals? The future is quite bright. You know, in the past we've had uh, massive goals. You know, I did think of because of my background in, fran- in the franchise I bought, I, I thought of franchising, and, and that could still be there, but it's just a note on a boardroom meeting at the moment. Um, you know, I certainly uh, like to fill another office. There's quite a few offices around here. Um, we could just open another office and put some more people in there. Um, depending on the need, um, but I think um, you know we're we're doing doing pretty nicely ourselves. I used to chase the um, the almighty dollar, but I chase it less now. And I think you know making sure our customers are happy, they stay with us longer, um, and making sure the team are happy. I think we're at that stage really where we're tweaking you know small little tweaks to make constant improvement over over a period of time you know the business is big enough for me um it's not to say that if there was an opportunity to double the size i wouldn't go for it but um my business partner and i are pretty happy the way it is i know some people would say you're either growing or shrinking so you know we are growing um but only in a quite a small percentage at the moment. And we've grown over COVID and we've grown since 2008. So year on year. Um, But it is, it is challenging circumstances out there. Uh, But I think we're lucky because we've been going for 15 years. So that, you know, that really helps. I can remember in in my first um, 12 months, if I rewind back to 2003, you know, I didn't invoice anybody. I was a sole trader in West End training, and I didn't invoice anybody for nine months. So, if anybody's in that situation, I completely understand it. I had about I'd spent about sixty grand that year, um, and I hadn't made any money at all. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you come across. Um, I came across the Whitbread account, GKN Aerospace, and Aston University. And these three all popped through in the last three months of the year. And I think it was just, you know, tenacity. And you just got to keep going. As long as you keep waking up in the morning and keep act- doing the actions. And sometimes, some days, just take the whole day off. Just don't do it too regularly. Um, because, you know, there were days in the early days where, you know, I would be sitting at my desk and there'd be nothing to do. I'd be so frustrated. And on those days, I think just take the day off, go for a walk, take the dog for a walk, go for a cycle, go for a run, do something that'll take your mind off things because sometimes you can try and force the future. As long as you're you're generally getting up, putting the activity in, it will come in the end. Yeah, no, I'm better. and that links in with what you say about um people doing the 40-hour weeks uh, as, a, as, as a telemarketer, you know, you need breaks. And the same with, uh, I think, a lot of small business owners are probably like this, of, you know, the, the um, call it entrepreneur's guilt, don't they, of, of spending time away from your business. And, um, yeah, the fact yeah, that absolutely. I, th- I think what you should do is if you've got that, 
is write 10 things to do. But when I, I used to work for BT um, and we, I was in a retail environment and in retail environment that there, there is some downtime. Um, so we had 10 things when there's nothing to do written on the back of the cupboard. And as an entrepreneur starting up your own business, I think you should have that. There are 10 things to do when there's nothing to do. And, and they shouldn't be to do, well, they could be to do with your business. It could be, you know, check your financial stuff. But but equally, there could be, you know, other other activity. Even, you know, mow the lawn. It gets you away for an hour, depending on the size of your property. Um, it gets you gets your mindset changed and often the phone will ring just as you're mowing the lawn or somebody will come through um or you'll have an idea the other thing i found quite useful in the early days was um when you didn't really have any money you still got to spend money it's you, you might take a friend out for sunday lunch and chew the fat on business ideas um, I remember one lunch, I went to a hotel divan and it cost us about, I don't know, it was quite cheap really, about 60 quid or whatever. It's cheap for hotel divan, I think, in Birmingham. And and we just chewed the fat and came up with a load of ideas. And out of that, about two months later, I was able to raise a three grand invoice because of that 60 pound encounter, just having chats and chewing the fat with friends colleagues, families, um, in quite an informal setting. So that, you know, I still find that really useful. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and I would be clear with that friend. I said, look, I, I want to talk business. I want to talk to you about my business. I want to talk to you about some of my ideas. And I want you to, you know, just say what you think at the time, whether you think it's awful or good. And if you've got anything else to add, then say it, but I'm going to buy you lunch. You're going to have a bottle of wine and we're going to have some fun. Mm. Um, even if you can't afford it, I would do it because you have to have a bit of fun, um, certainly in the early days. And and it, it comes. Yeah. Cool. And so um, coming towards the end now, uh, what's okay. your favourite local business? Uh, right. Now then, my favourite local business is Lounge at 26 on the Ulster High Street. It's a family-run business with Carl and Louise. And they've also got a place up in Astwood Bank. Um, and they do amazing coffee and, uh, more importantly, amazing cocktails and beer. Um, so, you know, you often see me cycling from Redditch down to Ulster, um, and the whole purpose is to go and have a beer, a bit of Atlantic Pale, maybe in Lounge Twenty Six, served with uh, served with a smile from Carl and Louise. Yeah, so they've got family-run business. You know, they're, they're part of the community. They're part of Redditch Stars, which is a running group. Um, so they really, you know, they've got a business within the community. They're part of the community. They really get involved. Um, fantastic product that they've got. Um, and they work really hard, and yeah, it's brilliant. Okay. Have you been there? I've not. There? No, um, um, no. Lounge I'm... twenty-six on the high street. Or oh, there's there's called the lounge up in Astford Bank. You know, always very welcoming, brilliant. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, I only moved back to Stratford. Uh, so I, I, I grew up in Stratford and then moved back in September last year. So, yeah. well, you've got back. so much choice in Stratford, haven't you? Yeah, you know, you're unlimited, so you, you'd have to take uh, well, Ulster High Street, I guess they do lots of community events. 
uh, and fairs and um, street food. So yeah. if you ever need to get out of Stratford. Yeah, it always feels like there's a good community there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, where do, um, where do people get in touch? If either that's businesses wanting to find out more or... Um... Yeah, so vocalgroup.eu. That's our website, vocalgroup.eu. Um, that's the best place to find us. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Matthew Chapman. Uh, my profile's up on LinkedIn uh, with all my contact details there. Um, or they can get in, in touch with you, Chris, and you can forward my details on. <laughs> cool. um, great. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on. It's been um, really no, thank you. you find out more about Vocal Group really and your story. It. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at chris at chrishazelmortgages.co.uk. Speak to you next time.